Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2023.6. As usual, I'm here with Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant Instant remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and the ESP Home projects. Configuration's all done through the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings or SSL certs or YAML or anything like that. Uh, 2023.6. So what does that mean? Like, yeah. a, is this the... I mean, it's half so the year's almost release? Yeah, yeah, half the... Like, or do you count as July releases right now we're starting the second half? I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think it's a, a standard release uh, this time around, you know, the a classic yeah. release and some good features, but you'll break them all down. Um, I think the big feature out of this release, Ron, which I'm uh, jealous of the Home Assistant OS users out there, is network storage configuration within Mm -hmm. Home Assistant now. So if you are running um, Home Assistant OS or if you've got like a yellow or a blue, you now have the ability to configure a network mount point from within Home Assistant. Um, And there's a nice UI for it. It actually looks pretty slick. Um, So a great use case for this is if you want to have offsite backups. So now you can have, uh, you know, your Raspberry Pi with an SD card running, um, and then you can also mount, you know, like your Synology NAS or your Kidnap NAS um, or even a Windows uh, NFS share somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. you can mount that inside your home assistant now and select that as a target for where home assistant should save backups to. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for, for what it's worth, I mean, it's my, my all of my home assistant stuff is actually stored in, uh, on a NAS, right? So I, as I mean, for those aren't, that aren't aware, I, I use home assistant in the container flavor. So I'm not running the supervisor or anything like that. Just straight containers. I manage the Docker compose file and so on and so forth. Um, any services I want to add, I just add manually. But where all those configs are stored is actually on my NAS, which is regularly backed up and such. So um, that runs through a nightly backup. And and again, and the NAS itself has a backup. There's a drive on there for, for extra backup. And then it actually synchronizes on uh, in an offsite uh, backup location nightly as well, right? So uh, you can, again, there's definitely benefits of throwing it on a NAS and I do strongly suggest that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you don't, you don't have to have supervisor. Um, it's nice cause it's in the, it's in the, uh, UI. Yeah. Um, but mine's actually at the OS level, so I can blow away the entire OS. I can put it back and I really just need to mount the, mount the NAS again and just Docker compose up. Right. So, but either way, strongly suggest it. It's great. Do it. Um, if you have a NAS. Now, NAS can be kind of expensive. It might just be a laptop running a running a NFS share or something like that, right? So, so you've got your whole config folder, I'm guessing, mounted from a symlink to your NAS. Yeah, yeah. So all of the, basically everything that's in Home Assistant uh, maps to my NAS. So all the recorder stuff, all of yep. the configs, everything. Do you find that introduces any... Uh, overhead to running Home Assistant because now all of a sudden you've got your server one location that then has to, if it wants to save a log, it's not having to transfer over the network to the NAS. No, it's not Any, bad at all. No? It's not bad at all, no. Um, there are some applications that would uh, that get affected by that. Home Assistant mm-hmm. is not one of them. Home Assistant is actually pretty efficient. Um, and we've talked about this in the in several episodes, especially with all the stuff they're doing with the database and stuff like that. Yeah. 
um, it's actually very efficient. So it's it's not uh, it hasn't really been a concern for me. Uh, performance was never an issue. It actually works really well. Um, I've got a QNAP or a NAS that I got like six years ago or eight years yep. ago, whenever I moved into this house. Um, and yeah, it works, it works extremely well. Um, again, it's not a, not a plug for them. I mean, use, use whatever NAS you want, um, until, until they start paying us, in which case at that point, then you can start using what we said. <laughs> okay. No, but, um, yeah, it works. It works really well. I haven't had very much performance issues or anything like that. Um, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I was always, yeah. For me, it just seems like there's, that creates another, a dependency on your network, you know, if for whatever it reason does. your network's down, then Home Assistant can't read its configs or can't write to the configs, which then creates an, an issue there. And you've also got, you know, both systems, both uh, op, uh, hardware need to be online, you know, both the server and your yeah. NAS for Home Assistant yeah. to boot. Yeah. I mean, realistically, my NAS is probably more reliable than my server. Um, yeah. And and again with four drives because they I have them in a RAID configuration right so if one of them dies it'll still keep running I just have to replace yeah. that drive, um, and everything is plugged into my UPS actually currently nothing is plugged into my UPS because my UPS needed a battery replacement I haven't I've changed the batteries just haven't moved I haven't had to, time to shut everything down safely and do everything but normally it is on a UPS and that's typically not a concern right so have um, UPS that's integrated into Home Assistant. No, it's a crappy old UPS. It's but it is plugged into my NAS though, because if it does lose power for, I want to say like more mm. than four minutes or something, it'll it'll safely shut down the NAS. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, cool. yeah, so it's it's uh, it's pretty good. So I do strongly suggest doing those kind of things. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, the color dialogue. So it's the little di- like a little pop up that pops up to say, "Hey, what color do you want your lights to be?" or whatever. Uh, now supports the ability to set some favorite colors. So that's nice because a lot of times if you only use a couple of different colors, uh, just like me, like uh, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, the the lights behind me are little Govi lights that are uh, that are connected to Home Assistant. But uh, I pretty much only use this color. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, sometimes I may, I may change it up a little bit, whatever, but then I have to go back and find what color I care about, whatever. So... Uh, it's a nice little feature. I like that. And, and you can, right? then you're not dragging a little uh, color wheel to the yeah. approximate color that you wanted. Yeah, it's the exact one that every time, right? So, yeah. um, and then I guess you can rearrange them through drag and drop. So, just press and hold, move it over, or whatever, right? So, it's nice. Um, so, probably the most biggest impactful change that this release is going to bring into, um, everyone's going to feel, uh, no matter what version of Home Assistant you're running or what type or flavor of Home Assistant is mm-hmm. the integration page. So it's had uh, some cosmetic changes to say the least. Um, they're very noticeable. It's um, It was a bit jarring when I first loaded it up. I was like, oh, where, where's all my stuff, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's new badges to show uh, which integrations are using the cloud, which integrations have come uh, installed from a custom package like Hacks. Um, there's also, they've also moved some things around, um, to make the UI a bit cleaner. So if there's an error with an integration, mm-hmm. it won't necessarily tell you what the error is. You may have to go into the integration, the new integration page, um, uh, to see what that error is. So there will be sort of like a new step, middle step, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. we can go and see, you know, what integration stuff is going on, you know, what devices it has, um, and all that. Um, I am a fan of the change. I'm, I wasn't originally when I first yep. saw it. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, 
fair enough. But yeah, the the way things flow around, yes, it adds maybe a couple more clicks here and there. Um, but the way things could be grouped nicely um, and you move around the system a little bit, it does. Um, it feels more polished, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like it. Um, I was actually just looking at it when as you were talking, and it is, it's nice. Yeah, right. It looks a lot more organized. It's exactly what you what you what you would want from it, right? It's informative. It's Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's there. It looks good. I'm all for it. And I think previously, you know, when there was an issue with an integration, depending on the error message, you know, things could span different lines and things would get sort of out yeah. of whack or, you know, half the error message was cut off and you couldn't read it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this way, yeah, you, you click into the integration and it'll tell you what's going on and how to repair it and all that's much, yeah. much better. Which is nice. Um, the automation UI. So if you if you frequently do make automations within Home Assistant in that UI, uh, you can now copy and paste conditions, triggers, and actions from one automation to another. In the past, you had to go flip it to YAML mode, copy the YAML, move it, go to go to your new automation that you want to make, paste it in there, and then and then make any modifications you can uh, you wanted to. But now you can just select the entire bunch of blocks that you want to change and, and or sorry, that you want to copy and copy and paste those in. So yep. that's kind of nice. Um, I really like yeah, not having to switch. That seems like an anti-pattern, right? When you have to switch to YAML to then copy the same block into mm-hmm. another automation. Um, so that, that seems really good. Um, I also yeah. think, I haven't tested it, but this might be available for any scripts that you might be building in the UI too. Um, so can't yeah. say why it's not it's all the same UI. Uh, yeah, um, so it's handy, yeah, that's right? True. If you've maybe you've got an automation that you want to move into a script so you can reuse it in different places, um, you can just get yeah, copy and paste things around. I think yeah. it's also maybe support cut and paste as well if you want to move things, but yeah, it's all it's part of that three dot menu. Pull it down. Yeah. Blow that. All right. Uh, this is one I am a big fan of um, for this release. Finally it's happened. The related information <laughs> dialogue has been updated doesn't look ugly anymore um so yeah when you open up a device and you click related you can now see all the related entities you know what device it belongs to what automations was it's all the same information that was there in the previous release it just makes much more sense and it's not a big huge wall of text and bullet point list of links um interestingly though and something that's a little cool add-on too is the related information can now also highlight a blueprint um, that was created from an automation. So if you create an automation from this blueprint, you can now go, all right, show me all automations that were created from this blueprint and potentially show me all when you ring a device, you can go, okay, this device is using this automation created from this blueprint. So it's a nice way. So if you you use one blueprint to do multiple things, like for example, like, hey, turn on this light when something, when motion is detected, whatever, something simple or, or maybe repeatable right so from that blueprint you can it'll go in and say hey here's all your automation so that's actually kind of cool yeah in case you want to make some changes across the board so that is handy um back by popular request so the last time an entity was changed is now in the entity dialogue um so if you remember the entity dialogues have changed over time um so when you click on like for example bedroom lights you'll see the slider the new slider view so on and so forth um i guess one of the things that was lacking and i actually never noticed this was when that state had changed so for example it mm. was turned on 
an hour ago, whatever that is, right? So that hour ago part was missing. Um, and it sounds like you can even click it and then it'll say like, it'll actually tell you like, hey, it's it changed at 1243 AM, like whatever that might be, right? So, um, which is, yeah, that's handy. I mean, I, th- I, I think it was there before. So I guess it's there. Yeah, it was in the, the classic. It know, was in the, yeah, dialogue, yeah, I think yeah. I remember seeing that. Um, it's all, um, it's still there if you're not using like, if, if you like yeah. open up a, a binary sensor or a sensor that's not using these new dialogue yeah. formats, it's there, right? But when the new covers and the lights and all that, when they started getting fancy with their dialogues, that information sort of, it was there in the history. It was hidden away in the history, um, if right. that makes sense. Right. But right, now right. it's right there in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I just opened up something that hasn't been updated Yeah, and it shows 15 minutes ago and yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right, Python 3.11 is now being used in Home Assistant. So uh, there should be, a, and this is pretty amazing, a 5 to 30% speed increase should be experienced uh, when you're using Home Assistant now. So I think every release is always a speed improvement, but more the merrier. Um, yep. There is going to be some breaking changes and some changes to the Python support, which we'll mention in the breaking changes coming up too. Yeah, but the cool thing is if you run container or if it's a supervised version, you don't really need to care. Just update yep. it's done. and it'll pop up. So, uh, ZWave.js is now a platinum level integration, which is very fancy. Um, so Nabucasa... That's the, who's, the best quality. That's right. Uh, Nabucasa, who supports... Uh, so they, they support the ZWave.js project um, as, as with you know ESP Home and so on. Um, so they've got a goal to get Z-Wave JS, uh, Z-Wave certified or Z-Wave certified. Um, so get it officially certified, get the, get the rubber stamp from, you know, the powers that be, whoever that is. Um, uh, I guess that'd be Silicon Labs, um, mm. technically, right? So, yeah. um, yeah. So, and because of that, there's some actually, actually some changes, uh, to some edge cases just to bring Z-Wave JS more compliant towards, um, what the, what it, what the spec should be. Right. So. Um, so now, for example, there's a, there's support for window covers, um, which improves supports for blind tilt devices, right? So things like eye blinds, um, and then better device support for, um, uh, energy, energy information that for, for said wave devices. So kind of cool. Um, I'm glad to see that. Then that way it is kind of standard rubber stamped and, and, and you're not going to have any deviation from that. So that's actually really good to see and, and. Yeah, so ZWaveJS is starting to use a tool that's pushed out by either the ZWave Alliance or Silicon Labs, um, basically to test your products, you know, to make sure are they compliant yeah. with the certification. Um, and Home Assistant has found, or sorry, ZWaveJS team have found uh, a lot of edge cases which they're currently not compliant with, um, and they're just, you know, it's basically they've just found uh, an automated tool mm-hmm. to say, yep, fix this bug, right? Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of uh, bugs being squashed over the next, you know, five to six months, um, which is, it's going to be tedious work, but it gets us yeah. closer to certification. And it also means a more reliable and more stable Z-Wave integration. Do we do we know what the timeline for, stay, uh, for certification is? Or is that just kind of somebody submits something somewhere and then it goes off into whatever abyss and then eventually yeah, comes out saying, yeah, I have no idea how, like, yeah. yeah, I'm sure there'd be a whole process and I'm assuming there's a process. Them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. I don't think it's going to be like an Apple uh, app, you know, getting reviewed right. or anything. It's probably going to be a bit more involved. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, new entities are, in, are now introduced in this release. No integrations are using them yet. Um, they're that new. But there is support for date, time, and date time entities. So these are uh, exclusive new types of entities. Um, so some example use cases could be uh, an integration allowing an alarm to be set from the interface. So I think Sonos exposes some, if you've got an alarm on a Sonos speaker, uh, currently they're in just as a sense of like the next uh, alarm date time. Now you could have an actual uh, entity and you would click the into the entity on your dashboard and you'd be able to change the time, for example, and it would just change the time. Um, so yeah, I look forward to seeing that being used uh, through some integrations of the next few releases. Um, service UI. So it's gotten it's a bit of a, a little bit of loving, I guess. Um, so options that are shown in the service UI will only show options that are actually supported by the device. Um, so for example, if you pick a light and the light doesn't support your color changes, then you won't see those options. Makes sense. Right. So this one, like, yeah. Finally, uh, as well, right? Like <laughs> yeah. every time I've wanted to change, like going to the, yeah, the um, developer tools, and I've selected a light, and there's just so many options. And my light and half isn't of them a, don't even apply. Yeah, like I've got a, a white color like light, right? But I don't need, you know, what's color name, what's color RGB, all that um, other stuff because the light yeah. doesn't support it. Um, even you know blinds, you know, like I have up and down rollers. I don't need tilt and angle and all that other. Totally. Options that are there. So, yeah, being able to tailor that UI. Um, it should also apply when you're building automations. So not only just from the developer's yeah. tool, but in, you know, building automations or scripts from the UI, um, that should also apply as well. That's All right. Uh, Roborock. Um, more entities have been added to the Roborock integration. So you'll start seeing, if you are using a Roborock, Roborock vacuum, you'll start seeing uh, a few more information coming into Home Assistant. Um, you just got one. I did. I, I've always said that Home Assistant is my shopping list, you know, the yeah. integration is my home. And 2023.5, the Roborock integration officially landed in Home Assistant. And yep. that was my trigger. I was like, I, that's it. Like, Done. I'm, I'm doing Check. it. And uh, so I am the proud owner of the Roborock S7 Max V Ultra. Now it is. The S8 has just come out. I thought I yeah. I got, you know, with the S8 coming out, and I think they were, like, out of stock. I'm like, I'm not I'm not justifying yeah. uh, waiting was a few months. Was it any months. cheaper at least? Yeah, much cheaper. I yeah. think I saved okay. better brand. Um, oh, so beautiful. Better in my pocket, and I get a, a cleaner right now. Absolutely yeah. thrilled with the thing. Um, what I will say, though, is uh, the Roborock integration in Home Assistant, there's actually – a custom version of the Roborock integration available in Hacks. And mm -hmm. it looks like um, either developer, the same developer is doing the official integration or okay. the team is. Um, but, yeah, it, I think I was reading a GitHub issue. It's about 50-50, um, like half of people are using the official integration, half the people are using the integration in Hacks. Um, yeah. I've moved over to the one in Hacks only because I want um, all the stuff that hasn't made it into the stable official integration yet. So right. the integration in Hacks has things like being able to see the map, um, a ton more sensors so I can now see, you know, uh, the water needs emptying. I can get an alert through Home Assistant as opposed to getting it through the app. Um, yeah. 
the ability to uh, trigger zones, trigger rooms, I think is all in there. I haven't, okay. like, I'm still using the Roborock app for the time being, but my eventual goal is to be able to automate the cleaning of certain rooms through Home Assistant so I don't have to worry about uh, when it's going to, like, to have to open up the Roborock app. Um, yeah, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with the app itself. It's just I don't, yeah, I'd, I'd rather be able to just uh, do another way to tell sure. where, where to clean. Well, um, I mean, it's just, it's, an, it's also just another app to have, right? Otherwise, yeah, so right. I, I get it. Like my um, wife doesn't have the app, you know, for her to like, right now I am the, the master of the robot vacuum. Um, yes. Uh, does, does she want to download another app on her phone and teach how to use it? Or can I just somehow make it easier and have it all work through Home Assistant? Um, and the ultimate goal, you know, even potentially like the Amazon Echo or something like that and say, hey, little lady, tell the robot vacuum cleaner to go clean under the dining room table or something. Yeah. Yeah. That would be ideal. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and um, so how do you like it overall? Like, Very impressed. Um, it was, it's been a few years since I've owned a robot, like a robot vacuum, like one of these circle vacuums to itself. Yep. I had, oh, geez, maybe like 2014, 15, mm-hmm. maybe even earlier, a Samsung, like when one of their first model robot vacuum cleaners. Um, Did it not had even little, know they made them. That's cool. I know, right? I don't know if they even still do. Um, yeah. And it had a little uh, remote that you could yep. uh, move around um, manually. Yeah. Uh, it, we, I ended up uh, selling it on eBay because it just wasn't, for my apartment, it wasn't any good. And I found yeah. like um, – it would more push dirt around than actually suck it up, if that makes sense. But yeah, that's nice. um, the Roborock uh, with the mop and the vacuum and its avoidance technology, it's just a whole new level. Um, we actually come yeah. home and the house looks clean. You can actually see how clean yeah, the house yeah, is. Yeah. We've got a lot of uh, floorboards in our house, so only two rooms have carpet. So we would do a lot of mopping. Um, yeah, and that's all done. Because I think you've got the Dbot or Ecovac or something. I've got the Dbot. Yeah, X One Omni. Like, yeah. I swear the names are just the worst. Oh, makes, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's same thing. Love it. Um, I use it pretty much daily. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It works really well. It does same same thing like you said, right? Like my previous, I had one of the original like Roomba. Like probably not first generation, maybe second generation. Like it was, it was, it didn't have Wi-Fi or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it was all right. Like it, it did its job. It the main advantage I had with that was it would get under the bed, right? So that was a big selling point for me too. There, it's like okay, I don't have to go in and like move the bed or like you know bend down yeah, underneath exactly. and move the little vacuum. But yeah, it, it, that. But compared to that one, like this, is like a bajillion times better. Like it, it, this is just, yeah. It's uh, I, I I do really like it. So it's only thing is it is very cloud dependent, um, which is mm. not the best. But um, I don't know. I I've seen some of the other ones, but they don't have the again. Like it's about the convenience, right? At the end of the day, so doesn't have the like some of the other ones don't have the. Um, like where it will empty the yeah the, go and empty the canister itself, like, and then it'll clean yeah. the mop itself and like so on and so forth right so 
Um, and that's where I'm kind of like, okay, well, this does all of that. So that, that, that was a big selling point and, and same with yours. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are the two kind of more popular ones. I haven't seen any self-hosted or like self cloudless locally hosted kind of ones mm-hmm. that actually have those same features. Right. So, yeah, I think, uh, the Roomba version of something like that, it's not great. Like in terms of its actual, like the job that it does. Um, I don't think they have an all encompassing one maybe. Oh no, they do. I think. But it's not uh, just the reviews I saw online were not uh, were not good. So that's kind of the worst of the three. So I decided no, I don't want to do it. But apparently that's the best one that works offline. So gotcha. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, don't know. I remember one of the first things you said was um, you were shocked at how much like black water came out of the dirty. Yeah, it was gross. Uh, thing right. Uh, same here. Every. Like I'm surprised at how much black water, like how much filth there is on our floors, and, um, and it cleans like all the time, right? So it's yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty gnarly. So hey, everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Have you automated your vacuum in Home Assistant yet, or are you still using the app to do like manual schedules? A bit of both. So, so schedule is right now is still manual. Um, but I do have the ability like in home assistant, I created a couple of scripts just to go, Hey, go run this, go run, like go clean the living room, kitchen area. Right. Like, yep. so whatever that is, uh, I do have those in there. Um, I haven't automated those yet. That is on my to-do, uh, list. Just so basically one of the more annoying things is just cause again, I work from home. So, um, mm. during the day, actually my, my, like the mic does a pretty good job of excluding that. And, and uh, we actually use a, like a little tool to filter out some stuff uh, from noise and stuff that, that Phil and I both use as well. Um, so between those, it actually completely avoids the sound. It, it, I've had it even go in and empty the canister, which cause, and, and just relatively it is physically right next to me right now. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So even if I did run the, run the vacuum, you actually, won't hear it on uh, on my mic just again through software and and the mic itself based on how directional it is but because of that i've still been a little hesitant to uh to run it during the day while i'm on calls and stuff just because uh, people on the calls can't hear it doesn't mean you can't hear it right like you would still it, be able it, to hear it and it would yeah distract yeah you. yeah and it's distracting right so exactly mm. so if i'm presenting or doing something like that the last thing i want is just like a really loud sound 100 um, even if I'm wearing headphones or, you know, AirPods or something like that, it's still not 
um, a pleasant experience for me myself. So, yep. um, so for that reason, I haven't done it. So I'm going to, I'm going to have an automation for when we're both out. Um, so my wife and I leave, then it can go run. Um, will it run every day? Then probably not. Um, I did have it running at like six o'clock before, but then that, you know, that's prime, like, Hey, we're cooking or we're eating yeah. or something like that time. Trying to get in and the then kitchen. after that, it's kind of yeah. too late. And it's, it's a, there's no really good time for it to go do its thing. Um, and then after that, it's like, it's late enough and we're watching TV or, or, you know, working still or wh- whatever that is, it's, it's yep. distracting still. Right. So I don't Same know, issues that's what sucks like, if you're yeah, working all day, got, every day. Yeah, and I've got kids in the mix, right? Like, yeah three-month-old that takes a nap at random times and yeah emptying the canister on the um on the robot itself i don't know how it is on yours but it is bloody loud it um, is extremely it, loud i yeah. don't know why but it is <laughs> i guess it, i guess it just needs that suction power i guess that's why but yeah there's no good way of insulating it i don't know but, and so you're uh, not running that thing at like 3 a.m when everyone's asleep right like oh, it's pretty loud no 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 Though I did something with my, so what I did with my old Roomba is I actually took it down and stuffed it in the basement and it just cleans mm. the, the finished portion of my basement. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's been, that's carpeted down there and from like the previous owner or whatever. So, uh, but I just got it set up again and, uh, I set up the time and everything. And I guess as part of that, at some point I must have said like, Hey, schedule this to go off on like I, I don't even know what days, but like random days that you'll just hear it spin up at like one in the morning. And I'm just like, oh, oh no! It's, <laughs> it's have I done anything about it? No, um, <laughs> just too lazy to fix that. But but now I think I have to because uh, I was I was traveling for work uh, earlier this week, and uh, my wife texted me being like can you turn off the vacuum? And it was like past midnight. I was like, I, oh. I can't, it's not connected. So is that, um, connected to home assistant at all? Or is it? No, 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 it, it's, it's, it's pre Wi-Fi. It's, it's, there's no yeah. Wi-Fi. There's no, it can't be connected. Um, it's got, yeah, like so you said, it's got an old school remote control, like yeah, a IR yeah. blaster. Um, <laughs> yeah. So oh, that's frustrating. It's, it's, it is. Um, but it is what it is. All right, um, KNX. It's got its own control panel now. That is all. It's but it, uh, it's nice, right? I mean, if you if you do have a KNX integration uh, running again, if you're running using any devices from KNX, um, they do they do other automation stuff too, right? So um, yeah, and I think just moving a lot of those configuration options into like a whole panel now. Um, it's yeah. going to be a lot nicer. And there are a few, like there's a few good people that, um, like it's a popular integration by the sounds of it, especially in Europe, um, for those that have yeah. it in their house. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, I mean, we've had a couple of folks on here in the past that run KNX at home and such mm-hmm. as well. So it's, it is uh, cool. But yeah, it's nice that it can run its own configuration panel. Um, that's pretty handy. Samsung TVs now have a remote entity allowing you to send remote key presses directly to your TV. So if you want to do up, down, up, down, left, right, open up an app, you can now automate that. So I have a Samsung TV and Mm -hmm. I have it in Home Assistant. Um, I've used like, I think pretty much every hacks integration there is. Yeah. Um, It's not the developers, it's the TV. Like it is just... 
it just does not want to be automated or or like it's just how old is your tv if you've got like a frame tv or just a standard yeah no no it's a frame one um so it runs their crappy like tizen os or whatever it is right so it's not android it's not standard android Mm. um it's some customized offshoot that they decided they wanted to do um so which i think web os the lg ones are still android enough that you can do it is that am i or am i mistaken i don't have an uh, lg so i'm not sure i i, I have an lg web os um i haven't seen any androidiness yeah. in it but i do like the integration uh home assistant has with it i think it's one of the, like yeah it, it was it the works. reason i chose lg right like yeah because of the integration with home assistant once again yeah um, it, it's a solid integration yeah, well, I mean, the Samsung one, it's like you got to go in. Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if this is still the case. I think I had to download the SmartThings app, um, sign oh, in, wow. get it to actually um, initialize on that. I don't know what I actually did. It's, it, was, it was a while ago, but and then hopefully it's better. Um, yeah. But the only thing I use it for is when, again, when nobody is home turn off the TV because sometimes we forget whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah. not, not just go to frame anything. mode, like turn it off, off. Right. So, yeah. um, and then when I come home I'll just press the power or whatever, it's fine. Um, so that's what we have. Do. You got the, um, ability to change what's shown on the frame through home assistant. Not that like, can you change the picture? Not that I've seen. No. Oh, um, they are very, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go off on a Samsung bashing mm. spree. It, it, it is a good TV. I actually genuinely like the TV. It sounds nice, whatever. But uh, it's from an automation perspective, it is terrible um, from a like and, and keeping in mind, Samsung would probably want to keep it closed to some things, mm. right? Like as or as much as they can. Um, I don't know. I just I just find that if I can't natively use it well, it's just a hack at that point, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it yeah, can stop working at any minute. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but, and, and then the other thing is too, like, it's trying to get it to like open Netflix or open Plex or open whatever you need to put in the app ID and like, and all that. And I think it's, I think I like played around with it probably for like a day or a day and a half, two days, whatever it is. And I, I worked like, 70% of the time. And I was like, all right, mm. this is just, it's, and, and, and again, it, I, I don't think it's the actual, in, like the hacks integration that I put in there. Cause I, I've tried a few of them and they all consistently gave me similar results, which makes me think that it's not that it's the, it's the actual like TBOS. Um, yeah. Cause I, I was tempted to buy, I really like aesthetically the, the frame just for the fact that you can hide on the wall as a picture. Right. Um, yeah. And I was even tempted to get rid of the LG. Um, but if I can't control the artwork that's displayed, then it's sort of. Yeah, a red you flag can, you can control the artwork, just not through Home Assistant. No, it needs to be. I don't care about any other. Yeah. I want Home yeah. Assistant, yeah. right? Um, like you're thinking, like going through Media Browser, say, hey, I like yeah. these pictures and push those. Yeah, I, I haven't yeah. seen a way of doing that. Maybe there is. I Again, I, I was so put off by this. This was probably like year or two ago that i did this and i was so put off by the whole experience that i just i just left it right it's 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 in there all like i said all it does is fully turn off the tv when both of us leave um 
that's that's the only automation I have in here. And and for a while I had it uh doing that when we said goodnight. Um and then uh I think I disabled that. Yes, I did disable that. Uh because basically my wife was saying goodnight too often while I was still watching TV. And, and then I actually put in a check to say, hey, if the TV is on, then then do it and stuff. And it worked, yeah. but I just didn't really add any value because I, I changed mm. the functionality and I gave her um, a little remote button and uh, now that turns off her lights. So, What's the protocol of the remote button? This one's just a BLE one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, nice. No, it's, it's a BLE one, but you can, like any, any remote button, right? Like it's, you can use. Um, yeah. This is one I just have from from work, so nice. Yeah, so I just I use that. Works great, and uh, but yeah, and it's picked and up just, by ESP Home. I'm guessing uh, MQTT actually. So Ooh, it, uh, nice. yeah, yeah. So again, like I said, this is like a work one. So it's just like yeah. uh, we actually manufacture and sell these, but it's uh, they're actually pretty neat. But uh, yeah, it, it uses it's not a it uses like an encrypted BLE connection, so on and so forth. So. But one of the features is it can dump out into MQTT. And then Home um, Assistant can, of course, read that and away you go. Yeah, yeah. So um, so that's what I do with that. And then based on that, long press and short press give you different things. So if she long presses, then it'll turn off uh, like both of our, our like my, my bedside uh, lamp and hers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and sorry, that's a short press. We'll turn those two off. Long press will turn those two and the hallway light off. Nice. Uh, yep. So that. Again, in case the door's not fully shut, the light doesn't come in, that kind of thing. Yeah. But spent a lot of time of how how annoyed I am with the Samsung TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Um, AccuWeather. Um, so the AccuWeather now uh, integration now provides sensors for the wet- weather condition. Wow, I just... I'm just struggling all of a sudden. All right, <laughs> let's try this again. The AccuWeather integration now provides sensors for the weather condition and the solar radiance values. Um, that's cool. That's, I guess, again, one of the things I realized is a lot of people, uh, like seeing like a lot of these values and things like that. Mm. And, uh, weather condition, I, I totally get to, um, but I'm not one of those people that, you know, around the solar radiance values and stuff like that. But, um, I do think it's cool because you can, again, if you, if you have a good idea of what to do with those kind of things, then, Hey, it's there. The information's there. Use it. Yep. Yep. So. Definitely. All right. All right. Some new integrations in 2023.6. Yeah. Uh, first one, Google Generative AI. Um, so like ChatGPT, um, it can't control your house, but you can converse with the Generative API, uh, with the Generative AI. So, yeah, that is now available um, as an option for you. That's cool. Um, YouTube. So there's a YouTube integration in. So for following a channel, I strongly suggest the HK Media channel, uh, where you'll get get to see us. Uh, so the Home System Podcast and the Altic Smart Home Show. So I uh, can follow the channel there and then uh, see the number of subscribers and so on and so forth. What I don't like about the documentation for mm-hmm. Home Assistant at the moment is, like, the integration page was great for telling you how to activate this YouTube integration you know yeah. like you need this api key and all that sort of stuff but it doesn't tell you what sensors and what values you can get from that like i would be interested to know all right, like what without diving into the pull request you know what data does that activating that youtube integration actually give me um 
but yeah, I'm pretty sure number of at least number of subscribers, and I'm hoping eventually there may even be like you know what's the latest video title um, available, so then you can do like yeah, when the, I would that assume it changes. Um, you can you can get a lot. Hey, your channel that you're following through Home Assistant has now got a new video, um, something like that. Yeah, and and if you already use uh, things like uh, the Google Mail, Google Sheets, Google uh, not the Google Calendar, but Google Mail and Google Sheets and such, you can actually use the same uh, developer credentials that you generated for those in this as well. So that's kind of nice. Uh, if you already have it in there, then it's just easy. It's nice. kind of already done the footwork. Um, but yeah, um, I find the YouTube API very annoying to like just to generate the <laughs> like, that that whole process is just. I don't know. I feel like it's way too complicated. I find any Google <laughs> API, like trying to work out how to use their developer console and what <laughs> button to push. Like this, it's like, I feel it's more complicated to fly. No, it's less complicated to fly a jet engine than it is to go through some of these admin consoles. It's, right? it's, I'm telling you, right? It's like, this is in one spot here and it's like hidden behind three different little things. Yeah, and like, you yeah. gotta, I don't know. I, I, again, I, I appreciate the depth of their, uh, of that whole platform, but. Just, just, just make it easy. It's, yeah. uh, I feel like it's too complex. Um, for again, especially when you're talking again, I'm not a developer, right? So as a non-developer, it's annoyingly complicated. It's, again, what if I just want to bring in things in a home assistant? So, um, yeah, that's my rant. That's your rant, rant over. Excellent. Yeah. Do better YouTube. <laughs> one, one of many rants today. <laughs> Uh, JVC projectors are now available um, in Home Assistant. So you can now detect if the projector is on. Um, and then I can guess you can then automate, you know, a screen coming down. Um, when the projector goes off, put the screen up. Um, yeah. Can, can you actually control the projector itself or no? I'm unsure. Um, I, yeah. I don't have a, I'm not fancy enough to get one of these projectors. Um, yeah. So They're expensive. Yeah, I don't know. Right? Projectors are. Yeah. Unless you get the little like Pico projectors, which I've heard mixed things. Some people are like, these are the best things in sliced bread. Some people are like, the quality is crap. Like, it's, are they I, the I ones that like, look like they're on a soundbar, like flat on your entertainment unit, but they're actually projecting up? Because there's new ones like that that I've seen in the stores oh, now. Oh, no, 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 no. Those are the ultra short throw ones. Ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, those are, I want one pretty badly and I cannot afford mm. that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those, those are like, like, three four grand um yeah because they're super short throw right you put them pretty much not right up against the wall but you can actually and put them up yeah. against the wall whatever and uh it just kind of projects a nice uh nice screen there i've seen i've seen a few people with them and they're so slick mm. uh no the ones the pico projectors i'm talking about are like they're like little like i don't know they look like little like portable hard drives or sometimes they're a little bigger i think anchor has one that looks like uh that looks like a regular like amazon echo like the cylindrical oh yeah like one of the ones like that's behind me here in this case yeah. if you're watching um yeah so they're they're kind of cool um but i've heard mixed things i haven't used one myself but 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 uh, judging by how that, shape they are expensive. i've always tried to avoid them yeah yeah i'm guessing you get what you pay for um yeah uh, but an integration that can control stuff is the Electro Smart Control. Uh, so the Electro Smart Air Conditioner, uh, which is the another new integration into a Home Assistant. So you can control your AC that are Electra Air branded. There you go. Great segue cool. too. Well done. 
Yeah. Um, breaking changes. So I mentioned before the Python version. Um, so we're now supporting 3.11. As mm-hmm. of uh, the 3.11 uh, support, Home Assistant will no longer be supporting two versions of Python. So previously, Home Assistant would, you know, if they were supporting 3.10, they would also support 3.9 um, and then deprecate 3.8. So um, as of the release of Python 3.11, 3.10 is now deprecated. Now, according to the Home Assistant stats, if you've got Home Assistant stats enabled, you're contributing to this data, only 3.67% of users use older versions of Python. So hopefully yeah. this change will only affect, you know, less than 4% of active installations out there. Um, it's also worth a mention here, um, and this is probably one of the driving reasons behind this, um, is that the Python package manager, PIP, um, I think that's gone or it, there's, I'm not too too close to Python and, and how this all works. Um, no, PIP's not happened. I, I don't know if it's the 3.11... I, I don't know no. if 3.11 moving forward it's around or if it's been replaced by something. Um, but anyway, some integrations, um, which include IBM Watson TTS, have been removed um, because of upstream package conflicts, which can't be resolved. So Home Assistant has been reaching out to these uh, integrations and these projects saying, hey, you have a package in your upstream requirements that's no longer going to be compatible with 3.11. Now that 3.11 is here, those uh, Python packages themselves haven't upgraded. So for home misses to be compatible with 3.11, we need to remove those integrations. So um, until those packages get updated, home misses can't uh, carry those integrations moving forward. So yeah, there's, I think it was IBM Watson and there was one other thing that's also affected there. Hmm. That is, actually, I didn't realize there's an IBM Watson... uh... Yeah, it's like a text-to-speech generative thing. Neat. That's kind of cool. Um, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm. I'm still bothered by this. I'm. Pretty, I, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm sure somebody will tell us if uh, we're wrong. I hope we're wrong. Yeah, um, there, there is tech, definitely a technical reason why these packages have to go, and there is something going along. Uh, with package management systems in Python um, that Home Assistant yeah. have made to change for, it makes sense if the, if the actual the, if the if the packages themselves, so like Watson package and stuff mm, like that, would would be uh, would be that those have conflicts. I don't know about PIP itself, but I could um, be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Huh, it's okay. Um, yeah, persistent notifications also no longer create an entity. Uh, which is good. I never really understood why I did that. I guess they just needed a way of delivering it. But. Yeah, I used to use the, the entity, so I would know, like, if a persistent notification was being shown, I could then, you know, if I'm not home, send an mm-hmm. alert to my phone. Um, there's better yes. ways to do it now, but that was, you know, back in the day. Uh, yeah, yeah, I certainly think there's better ways to do it now. Yeah. All right. Um, now, something that we don't have too much details on, but we want to just highlight for you coming up um, in, in the next couple of weeks is there's going to be a competition for ESP Home. Um, so watch out on the Home Assistant blog for details. But yeah, if you are interested in ESP Home, um, again, it's going to be a little competition happening. So watch out for that. Neat. Um, Keith, welcome aboard. Uh, Keith has joined Nabucasa to work on ESP Home full time. That's great. Yeah. So I think um, that gives them like two full-time people on ESP Home now. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. So then hopefully there's a ton of cool stuff coming out. Yeah, ESP Home. So um, the Android team uh, is working on getting Assist available in the Home Assistant Companion app on Android. Um, so hopefully giving you the ability to send voice commands from your phone to Assist um, instead of Google Assistant. So I know this is possible with, for example, the Amazon Little Lady app. Um, they have uh, the ability instead of so on my Samsung. There's Bixby, there's Google Assistant, and there's the Amazon Echo Assistant. Um, if you, you can actually, I love that Bixby is still. still I can't. Yeah, I don't it's even. It's the first thing you disable too, right? Like you, I, and then there's a button dedicated to the thing. I know it's and there's so apps good. Created so you can avoid launching Bixby when you accidentally uh, hit that button. Um, so anyway, dumb. it's yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> It's the first thing on any Samsung phone. Yeah. yeah, like disable that crap. Um, so there is the ability to choose in Android who your assistant is. Um, so you can choose, you know, Amazon Echo Lady, Bixby, or Google Assistant. The goal here is that Home Assistant want to be able to then say choose Home Assistant Assist. And then that way uh, when you long press the button to activate your assistant on your phone, um, Home Assistant will be there ready to listen to you. So yeah. That's good. Hopefully they can get like wake word detection. Um, I know that's sort of like a stretch goal for them. That would be great. Um, I don't think wake word detection is available for um, the Amazon Echo Lady unless you've got her app open on the phone. Yeah, um, which makes sense because it's like yeah. Android would need to enable that, exactly. right? Like, so it's, yeah. I don't think it's a dependency on whether it's the Amazon team or the, mm. the Home Assistant or the Navicasa team or whoever it is. I don't think it's... I think I think it's yeah. like a, I think it's an I would assume it's an Android thing. So, because I know like Google Pixel phones, you know, can always yell out, you know, "Hey Google, too," um, and the phone mm-hmm. could potentially answer. Similar, to, I think Apple on iOS, you can do like "Hey Siri," and your phone might, if it's sleeping, answer. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, as as not... we activated both Android users and Siri right exactly. now. Exactly. So. Exactly. Our um, so there you go. Yeah, uh, but yeah, let, let's see. I think that's some exciting stuff happening there. Yeah. Um, we had an email from Arno. Um, Arno was talking about, uh, said, just listen to the podcast with Philip about reading uh, data from his gas meter. Um, basically, the gas meter has a magnet mounted under on the rotation disc. Um, and uh, Arno actually went off to say, uh, I made one using a read switch and ESP home uh, as a sensor and it failed. Worked for a while, but then the disc stood still uh, at the wrong place and it kept adding on consumption <laughs> where there was none. So I guess that's a bad thing, but uh, it's still pretty cool. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't really know how these things worked, right? So I think I think that's what that's what Art was trying to tell us, like educate us, which is which is mm. fantastic. Um, I also had a Xiaomi Zigbee door sensor. It, I took the electronic part out of the plastic housing and placed it where my uh homemade sensor was and it's been working for more than a year without a without an error that's awesome wow. so um arno has a diy gas yeah, meter yeah that's, that's sweet. i might um have a look because i've got a couple of um the zigbee tool sensors you know, maybe i'll consider doing that i um i did pull one apart and it's actually pretty simple to get them to trigger um a status update because on you can actually see the magnet 
um, inside mm-hmm. the electronics. And if you put a wire um, either side of that magnet, you complete the circuit essentially. Um, yeah. So one of my, whenever I get time in the future in my life, um, mission I'd like to do is to create um, a door lock sensor. So we have okay. sliding doors. Um, yep. Not really conducive for a smart lock. Um, so but I, I don't want to leave them unlocked. So I have the, right. the theory of um, when the little pin comes in to close, the, to, to actually lock the door, mm-hmm. have uh, that would then complete a circuit and then have a Xiaomi Zigbee door sensor there to then send that to Home Assistant to say uh, on or off. And then I can use uh, the device class in Home Assistant to say door is locked or unlocked. Um, and then I can add that okay. to my leaving routine, you know, before we leave, make sure all the doors are locked. Um, so it won't it won't actually lock it for you, but it will. It's a way for home assistant to know this door is unlocked. Understand sort of that the door is unlocked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could use like a mag. Um, what are those things called? The little mag locks, magnetic lock things. Uh, the electromagnetic ones, right? But I maybe, guess it's not a good way of doing that. No, not you need, you need one that's that's specifically like shaped for it. I guess. Yeah. Because it would need yeah. to have like a back plate in the front, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this is sliding away from. Yeah. So that's my 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 project idea for the future. Maybe I'll I'll probably won't get to it though. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean. So I try to think. I know. I know we're not really at time. We can kind of go however long we want. But I tried a thing and it didn't work out. Um, Ooh, so I please, got these. Please. I got these Aquara vibration sensors. Right. So. Uh, mm-hmm. They finally set, started selling them um, on like Amazon in Canada, so I don't have to go through AliExpress and whatever. Nice, nice. Uh, you would have so to pay I a got, premium though for that, surely. Uh, it was like twenty-two bucks or something like that. Okay, so yeah, a bit of one, but I think on AliExpress it's like sixteen bucks or seventeen bucks, and it'll take like three years to ship. So <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's uh, it's not too bad. Um, so a little experiment. So I bought two of these. I was going to say, okay, one on my one on my dryer, one on my washing machine, just so I can understand when it's on off. Mm. Um, I didn't really want to invest in a uh, in a basically like a clamp style like electricity yep. uh, thing, at least for that. Um, and basically, I wanted to say, uh, how can I get basically based on vibration, how can I get it to say the dryer is done, right? And and this way it will, even if I'm using a gas uh, dryer at some point, I have a gas connection there. I, it might, Mine's an electric dryer right now, but uh, if I ever get a gas dryer, then it would work for both solutions, right? So, mm. uh, however, I think the vibration isn't vibrating enough uh, to actually trigger the sensor, which is, I thought they were fairly sensitive. Um, when I was playing with it, like on, like on the, uh, like when I was like, put it, I put it on the couch mm. next to me and I like, you know, tapped the couch, uh, and it, it did, did detect it, but I, for whatever reason, it's not, uh, it's not playing it. But right now I just place it just on top of the washing machine to figure it out. I might stick it to the back and see if that changes anything yeah because i figured maybe that that'd be more yeah i'll send you my washing machine because my washing machine just doesn't stay still it vibrates so loud (laughs) like it vibrates so much 
um, that I'm constantly having to push it back against the wall. Um, well, it's it's weird because mine does at one point. So I guess it's just like in its like final spin cycle, right, to dry the clothes. Um, we just have like a little like glass jar on top of it mm. with uh, with like just whatever, like detergent thing, yeah. uh, pods or whatever. And the lid will actually like shake, right? And you can hear it like 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 rattling. Uh, so, but it doesn't do that the whole time, right? It just does that for one small bit of it. Uh, and and I mean, so far, it's, I mean, the glass jar has been on there for like two years, and it hasn't been enough for it to like vibrate off and fall off or anything like put that. Anything on top of our machine, it's it's on the floor before yeah. the cycle's over. Um, wow, so. that's. Uh, yeah, so that's my that the, the, uh, so um, failure for the week, month. The, the vibration sensor, it, it's it's strange because I had it in the mailbox and it would sometimes uh, pick up um, when, you know, letters would go through the mailbox and it would sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, it would get pushed around or something. It would work sometimes, sometimes not. Um, and then because my mailbox is, um, I wasn't getting good enough range on Zigbee to get it to the mailbox, I yeah. then put my vibration sensor under our dining room table um, so that when we're having dinner, the idea being um, we'll be, you know, cutting, you know, with our food, putting our drinks on down, that we're causing vibration against the table. Um, but similar to you, it wasn't enough vibration for the sensor yeah. to get triggered. Um, have you had a look in the Home Assistant device page for it um, and just check the events that are occurring against yeah. the um, device because sometimes it may not trigger a vibration but it may trigger it may trigger a tilt event which doesn't trigger the sensor to change from on to off and in which case you could then yeah i did look i didn't see it um, mm. i didn't see anything and like I, again i had it i had the logbook going too uh, okay, uh, cool. And the logbook just, it was like, nothing has happened. I'm like, nothing. I'm pretty sure yeah. the washing machine has been on for like 25 minutes now, but yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my, uh, that was my failure for the, for the month. Uh, that was one of many failures for the month. Do you want to hear, I'm going to, this is an, an embarrassing one. So we'll wrap up after this one. But if we talk about failures, would you like to hear mine? I, I've, I've literally got like four on the go if you need. So, but yeah, okay. let's continue. Um, so yeah. I, wanted to replace um, a blind on our laundry window. It's like a uh, laundry door. It's an external door. It's got a little yeah. window on it and it had some, um, similar to what you've got, Rohan, like some tilt uh, blinds on it. Mm-hmm. And I could have gone out and got a SwitchBot tilt, but I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I don't want another Bluetooth thing. Um, yeah. For the price that I'm going to pay for the SwitchBot tilt, I could just go to Ikea and buy a um, Ikea smart Polar blind, right? That would be better. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they didn't have any in stock in Melbourne, but they did have some in another city, Adelaide, and I was recently went to Adelaide um, on a road trip there. So I thought, cool, I'll just go to Adelaide. While I'm there, I'll pick one up. Yep. So I brought it home, replace it, no problem. Um, a bit finicky getting the blind into home missing because it's Zigbee um, and all yeah. that. It's there. It's working. It's fine. Anyway, um, went to open the laundry door the other day and didn't take into account how fat an Ikea blind is. And now I can't open my door completely because the blind hits the wall. Uh, So now I have to move. So either return this blind to Ikea, which I've already thrown away the packaging for and I don't really want to throw it away. Um, I don't think I, I don't know. I, I don't think Ikea needs packaging. I think you can return it. You can, you can return fully installed furniture at Ikea. Really? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, their 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 return policy is actually really good, uh, um, unless they have a different one for Australia or mm, just for you specifically. Yeah, for me. Well, it's, now that I've just explained this on the podcast, right? Um, but right. my old yeah, my next. I'm now going to have to move the blind above the door frame, um, and then use home visits to say, oh. right, when the door is closed, now you can close the blind. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's oh. why. Oops, should have checked the measurements first. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't anything wrong with the technology. It was just user error. Yeah. 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 I've had, I've had the worst month for like technology, <laughs> like just everything stopped working. My, my Echo B once in a while just stops uh, working on Wi-Fi. Uh, like it just drops off a of wireless um, arbitrarily. And I've been yeah. going, going back and forth with support on that. And it's like, um, and then my one of my switchbot tilts doesn't charge, I guess, apparently. Mm. So that's that's fun. Um, yeah, so it's just been... And then I bought a uh, little smart screen scrolly thing, like the Ulanzi one that's been pretty popular lately, like one of these Ooh. little guys. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it worked for about 18 hours, maybe. Actually, no, not even. No, probably worked for about 12 hours and then stopped. Stop yeah. working? Nope. What'd you no, do? Nothing. Did literally. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, I brought it into home assistant and I was, um, I was, uh, basically, so they, there, there's custom firmware for it that you can push. It's a ESP32 based one mm-hmm. or maybe 82. Yeah. I think it's ESP32 based. Um, so you can push, uh, custom firmware to it, whatever. Uh, there's CSP home ones and then there's other ones. Um, I forgot what it was called. Something with an A, uh, so I pushed that to it and, and they, and even on their website, they're actually like, Hey, if you want some advanced functionality, you can install this, uh, firmware. And I was like, mm, great, cool. put it on there. Um, worked great for again, a little bit. And, and I don't think it's a firmware thing. I think, I think it's the, it's the box that died. And, uh, yeah, I was trying to push stuff to it, like from home assistant saying like, like just testing, like, like testing one, two, three, like do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that was it. And then, uh, it. it, it just stopped responding. So I was like, okay, let me restart it. And now it now doesn't turn on. Yep. Yeah. So it turned up and does not turn on and, uh, looked on Reddit. Few people had the same issues. So I reached out to them on, and their support was actually really good until they realized I bought it from AliExpress, not from them directly. Oh, no. And then they're like, Hey, you got to deal with AliExpress. They gave me an email address. They never emailed back, and then and I put it in into AliExpress. So I was like, "Hey, like, yeah, add, like a refund deal, or whatever." Yeah. And yeah. so they uh, the the store was actually like, "Hey, like, we'll we'll ship you another one and and whatever." So I'm like, "Okay, so I'm waiting on that. Let's see. Hopefully, I have a little better luck uh, with this." And and the crappy thing is, I guess it's all like molded plastic, and there's no like. I can't just like open it up uh, without like ripping it apart. Apparently there's a couple uh, of screws under here somewhere that I have to like f- find and drill through or something like that. I don't know. But uh, cause yeah, you could then like try and salvage the ESP like and see if there's any way to. Um, yeah. Get into yeah. It I mean, I guess the only way now I can do it is just get like a Dremel and just, <laughs> just mm. rip through it. Um, or but, you've got a really uh, nice paperweight. Oh, that, that's what I have right now is a great mm. paperweight, but, uh, I have heard good things about their support. So if anybody does get it, I would say get it from them directly and not AliExpress maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know, 
but I've 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 seen reports of a uh, few people running into this, and yeah, I don't know exactly what uh, what that is. So, nah. but yeah, yeah, a lot of technology fails. <laughs> Seems to be the month for it. Yeah, remind me to tell you about my subway story another time. Okay, all right, all right, <laughs> that's it. 2023.6. Thanks everyone. See you next time. See ya. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.